this is Company. I'm Sky Manson. Company is a podcast produced in rural Australia, bringing together ambitious women from the bush, the cities and all over the world. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. I know we've had a bit of a hiatus, a bit of a rest, a bit of time to think and go slow. And as a result, there's been lots of new ideas flying around and bubbling to the surface. And hopefully they will see the light of day this year. All the while, I've also been recording interviews with people that I think you would love to hear from women who blow my mind. Some of the stories in this season are detailing bold new projects and others are just interviews with women doing interesting things in individual ways. I I think, in fact, I know that you will find something in each of their stories. And to start the season, my guest is Kate Houghton. You might not know Kate by her name, although many of you will but most of you will know her creation, the Sir George in Juyong, a pub, restaurant, artisan bakery, and accommodation destination between Sydney and Melbourne on the Hume Highway. I just think after talking more with Kate, she is proof that going big and bold and backing yourself works. She and her mum, landscape designer Liz Prater, designed and rebuilt the Sir George by hand, There was help from a few others, but Liz and Kate were always on site, building themselves, and they oversaw the whole process. But what's interesting, I think, is that Kate grew up on a farm at Katanning in Western Australia. She's always loved farming. She's worked on stations in Northern Australia. She studied ag science. And even now that the Sir George has been sold, she's going back to work on a local sheep stud. Creating a pub with world-class appeal, I'm sure, was never on her radar. But alongside her mother, what they created completely put the small town of Jugyeong, the small village of Jugyeong, on the map. I will mention before we start that at the time of recording, Kate was still working at the Sir George. It had just been sold to publican and hotel owner Fraser Short, so it was recorded late last year. But the new owner took over management of the Sir George at the end of January this year. He owns also the farm at Byron Bay and the Watson's Bay Boutique Hotel, as well as um, operating some other venues across regional New South Wales. So Kate is no longer at the pub. She's working on the sheep stud. But um, this is her story of how it came together and what their vision was. My mum and I bought it six years ago and thought it would just be a fun project to do together to renovate it without really considering what the ongoing workload would be that comes along with running a pub um, and just didn't know what it would grow into. Um, it's been pretty amazing to, to see it grow. Um, yeah, so we sort of had visions all along of, of what it has become. That was, that was our dream, um, but it's been really rewarding to to just be on this journey and, and be able to do what, what we'd hope to. So tell me about, um, firstly, you didn't, you didn't grow up in, um, in New South Wales. Where, where did you spend your childhood days? 
Uh, I grew up on a sheep and cropping farm in Katanning in Western Australia, which is um, three hours south of Perth towards Albany. Um, and then um, went to school in Perth. And, um, yeah, so I spent my childhood on a farm similar to the farm we live on now in Gundagai. Uh, nowhere near as pretty. <laughs> Western Australia is, uh, yeah, I took my husband back there uh, to visit our farm. He was like, oh, my God, how are you? <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, like it had, you know, solidity issues and there, there was um, big drains that they had dug right through the bottom of the farm, the new owners, to, to deal with the salinity problems that there are. Um, yeah, he was he was pretty gobsmacked. Just the difference in, um, yeah, in... in farming country in WA compared to where we are here. Did you love growing up on a farm? Yeah, I always adored farming. And then I ended up doing um, an ag science degree at uni because I, um, yeah, I loved farming. I went back when I finished school, I went and worked on a station up north in Western Australia. Um, and yes, I've always loved sheep work and, and uh, yeah, being on a farm. So is that what you thought? Is that where you thought you would end up, that you, you'd be uh, working in ag in some way? Yeah, definitely. I, uh, I managed a lamb feed lot for six years when I finished uni at Tarkata. Um, and then when I met Charlie, we moved in together on his farm up near Harden. And I worked on a farm uh, near Gaylong for a couple of years um, before this project came along. So um, join, join the dots there. How did you end up in New South Wales? Uh, so I did my ag degree at Wagga Ag College. I uh, just didn't want, I just wanted to get out of WA to do an ag degree. Everything in WA is kind of a bit insular. Like it, uh, I just wanted a different experience. I had a um, really close friend that I was living with that um, he was off to Marcus Oldham and I wanted to go to Marcus Oldham, but I'd already dropped out of an architecture degree when I had first left school. And so my parents weren't paying me, for me to go to Marcus. Oh, got it. <laughs> so I, uh, I just decided I'd go to Wagga Ag because I had cousins that lived in the area. And yeah, that's sort of how I ended up around these parts. And why did you choose the architecture degree and why did you drop out of it? Um, I would always, well, mum being the amazing garden designer that she is, I'd always, um, you know, fiddled with drawings and design drawings with gardens and, and houses and things. I think that was something I'd just picked up from her along along the way. I definitely don't have the design flair that mum has, but I had a, a real practical love of design. And I, I probably, in hindsight, picked the wrong university to do my architecture degree at, um, because I'm so practical, the UWA degree is really um, quite arty. Uh, I had no drawing skills and I would just get pummeled by the lecturers about how rubbish I was. <laughs> and if I'd gone to like Curtin Uni or something in WA that's far more practical and it was all about CAD drawings and things, I probably would have stuck at it and had a totally different life. But uh yeah, that's that's why I dropped out. I just was copying way too much flack from my lecturers and just lost interest. Well, it's so interesting though because you say that you would have had a totally different life, but in fact, it has has all kind of come out in the washing. Like what you've created at the Sir George is very much aligned with that, but you've also got your farming life too. Yeah, 
and I think and, and I think it's fairly similar with mum as well it's um we really love doing our own sort of projects and find it really hard to um go and design things for other people and then not get to implement it you know with the vision that you sort of have in your mind for it you are always having to collaborate with other people's needs and and means and things um so yeah I probably would have struggled being um yeah doing things designs for other people it's 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 so much more um it's just easier when you get to make all the calls and and do exactly what what you want to do <laughs> you ended up locally around the the Jugiong area working in Geelong and living with your partner at the time Charlie and when just I'd just love to know about when you, the inklings first came to you that the pub in Jugiong was something that you thought you might do something with it's been sitting there vacant for a while yeah um it kind of mum had been back in WA she had actually been because her, her partner Kim he had just sold his uh finished up in his restaurant in Perth and they were sort of looking for a uh, a project like this together they almost bought the Rottnest Bakery and got beaten in that tender and then he ended up managing the Rottnest Bakery for a few years and then they started trying to find another venue where they could do something similar in Western Australia and they just came up against the, all these barriers with council permissions and things and um, a couple of places that they were trying to buy and get across the line fell through um, and then when Charlie and I got engaged, mum was over here for our engagement party and we went for coffee at the long track. I just took her for a loop around the Sir George, which was in its derelict state. And, and, not, and not the Sir George at that stage. No. Yeah. I mean, just covered in possums and, you know, it was overgrown and falling apart. And But we did a, a lap around the building, which was all shut, Um and just was like looking at the bones of it and talking about this venue that mum had been trying to get going in WA. And I was like, how cool would it be to do that in this building? I was like, look, look how busy the long track is here. This, this highway like is, is a gold mine. And yeah, that was sort of the inkling of it without ever being serious about it actually happening. About a month later, a huge, uh, sign was dangling off the front of the pub that it was up for sale I took a photo and sent it to mum and was like what do you think and she rang me back straight away and said uh why don't you ring the agent I was like no we're not doing it she's like just ring him let's see and then yeah the tender process for that started and we eventually just got a bit carried away and next thing we knew we'd bought it and we were we were in oh I love it. I just feel so excited for you, even though that was six years ago. Yeah. <laughs> and so as it gradually became more of a reality for you, um, tell me what kind of thoughts were coming to mind as to what you would do with it. Did you allow yourself to dream before you'd even secured it? Oh, I'm just trying to remember now. I think we had already, yeah, like uh, before we even put an offer in on it, mum flew a guy that she'd done a fair bit of renovating work with a builder from WA over to see if he'd have a walkthrough with us and, you know, if we, if he thought we could resurrect it, if it was structurally sound, this, uh, his name's Andy and he was a godsend. Um, he, if walking through it, he was like, you two are mad. Like he goes, this is beautiful, but 
you're mad. This is, <laughs> this is so a lot much of work. work. Um, but I mean, he said, look, it's structurally sound. Um, if you want to do it, I will come and do it with you. So then we put the tenders in. And then after that, we were, before it settled, we'd, we went on a big road trip um, up through Orange and Mudgee and did a loop back, like went, like just Googled best beer garden in New South Wales and <laughs> found this place. Um, oh, I can't remember what it was called now. It was like up in the back of the forest up above Dural. Oh, what was the name of it? I can't remember, but it had a beautiful beer garden. It was kind of like a mini version of, of uh, the Sir George, like really, really pokey rooms in this old building and just this sprawling garden around it. And then went to like Merivale places in Sydney and the grounds of Alexandria. They were all sort of things where you were like, you can see there is, yeah, like if you build it, they will come. There was certainly plenty of them starting. So from that time when you um, when you settled, when you secured it, and you did your road trip and you started your renovation, what, how long was it until you actually started trading, opened the doors? Uh, so we settled in September 2015, but it was February before the builder could come and uh, start renovating with us. Mum arrived in early January, um, moved over from WA and lived in the little red brick house across the road from the pub. Um, leaving her lovely house on Cottesloe Beach in Perth, and it was it's such dry a huge and hot. move. So yeah, like was that? Did did she bat an eyelid at that? Was it? And does does she still have that house? Like, does your mum live at G- at Jigiyong now? Uh, yeah, so we rented that house from the Catholic Church, and we still rent it. Our staff live in it now. Mum bought a house up on top of the hill, um, and renovated it while she's been here, and. It's, um, it's a beautiful house. But she wasn't busy enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, she has to have somewhere nice to live though. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, it was by January when she'd moved over here um, and then we just got itchy feet and we started just pulling things apart. By the time the builder had got here, we'd removed a wall from downstairs um, and, like, chipped all the plaster off the fireplace in the whiskey lounge and started ripping out the old bar we were having lots of fun just like the two of us every day just demolishing things oh what kind of things did you discover it was pretty funny just when we took it over there was like an old safe in the wall which was their office which had a picture of a little boy crying over the front of it which we always thought was um it was kind of weird that mm. <laughs> the safe was uh, covered in with a little boy crying. Mm. Mm. <laughs> um, I don't know what that means. Uh, and it, like the, when we pulled up sections of the floor in the bar, uh, lots of old pennies and things. There were pennies back to the 1920s. And um, every time we'd pull one out, because apparently there's one year that's worth a lot of money. And so we'd pull it out. We'd be like, this is it. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and, and lots of interesting old newspaper articles, um, bits and pieces that we've hung on the wall in the pool room that we thought interest people. Yeah, lots of old bottles and things buried in the backyard. There was, um, when we dug a trench outside the kitchen windows to um, fix up the drainage, loads and loads of old sheep and cattle bones, which they must have back in the day just chucked it in the ground outside the kitchen window. Was, yeah. 
Yeah. So from the get-go, what was your aim for for the project? What were you trying to create with your renovation? Just trying to make a really family-friendly pub somewhere that was a destination because obviously we don't have a large population here. So it had to be something that people would be happy to travel a couple of hours to come and have a meal at. So you had to make it feel amazing to be able to get people to do that and just to really try and bring it back to the feeling that it originally had. Yeah, there were lots of renovations that had happened to it over the years where they've just covered in a wall that was like in the main hallway. It had just been jip rocked over and when we pulled that jip rock off it showed the amazing shiplap weatherboard wall that was behind it that had all these different little doors and windows in it from mm. all the rooms that used to be behind it and then that by finding that and talking to locals like actually discovering how the pub originally worked there was like a, a window in which went where the people stood behind the bar and then another door behind that which was in front of the fireplace in the ladies lounge and so the gentry used to get to sit in front of the fire and sit their whiskey and all the blue collar workers just had to come and get their drink out of the hole in the wall of the bar and then go and sit on the front veranda and drink be outside yeah and what so what kind of a part did the locals play in informing all this history well, we're quite so lucky that we, the original owner's descendants still have still own the house that the original owner built for himself on the opposite corner to the pub. So we had access during the build to Jim Sheehan, um, who has just recently passed away. But he, um, yeah, he came over and told us lo- lots of his memories of growing up in and around the pub, and it, it's obviously meant a lot to a lot of people over the years. It's because it's been around so long and. And there are loads of people that have, you know, spent their childhoods waiting for their dad in the car out the front or, <laughs> or, or uh, you know, done their first bar shift ever at the Sir George. Or... So from the beginning, um, did history play and sort of honouring the heritage of the building, did that play a part? Or as you went on with your renovation and you were informed by all the locals, did it grow more towards that? I think a bit of both. It was... Certainly as we were renovating it, we were just trying to expose a lot of the old parts of the building that had been covered up with paint or plaster or whatever to, because the integrity of this building after 180 years nearly is absolutely amazing. And it just sort of lent itself to its own stories without even having to force it or or any of that. It was, it was just, you would just, stand in a room and start doing what we wanted to do to it to make it the space that we wanted to and then realise, hang on, there are these amazing um, as-marked lintels over these doorways and so we're just going to leave them exposed and show what was originally there. Um, Yeah, so I don't think necessarily it was talking to locals that that brought that about. It was just sort of an, an organic thing that happened as we discovered what was what was here and what I'm interested to know what gave you the confidence to um go so big on it and design it so beautifully and create a destination um I imagine that yeah uh, that's quite bold and um 
you, ha- you have to be confident in, in what you're doing. So what gave you the confidence that people would come? Um, I think a bit of possibly a little bit of naivety to start with. <laughs> but, um, and we didn't know that people would come. And, like, if we look back on our original business plan and the numbers that we thought we'd do, um, yeah, it's it's far less than than what we are doing. It's, um, yeah, it, it was... Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think we're both just pretty bold people that are like, oh, I'm, I'm happy to give this a go. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. We can go back to doing whatever we were doing before. But, yeah, we were pretty confident that you know, there were other great places around that were doing these sorts of amazing things. I think the scariest thing about here, and there was certainly for mum, who was more on the line, you know, I could just go back to living with my husband 30 k's up the road. Where she would have to, so it was it was pretty bold on her part. With the, the scariest thing was out here, where there is no population, and you know you really are relying on people to come so far. It, it, that was the scariest part. That was constantly we're like, oh god, I hope people, I really hope people come. <laughs> um, but I think also the two, the way that we did it in two steps, where we just renovated the pump to start with, and then waited to build the accommodation later. So by the time we started to build the accommodation, we we were confident that people were coming and there was starting to be a lot more demand for people being on the road and wanting, you know, you could see that there is there is nowhere, once you get past the Southern Highlands, there is nowhere in t- between Southern Highlands and Melbourne that's really nice to stay if you're doing that Hume Highway road trip. Mm. And this place is just great for breaking that trip up. So by the time we got to building the accommodation, we we had that confidence that that market was there. And so we we probably went a bit harder on the accommodation than we did on the original pub build, knowing that um, it was worthwhile spending the money to to build, and and that we weren't we weren't mad. <laughs> yes, um, and what's been the funnest part about it? Um, probably like well including the accommodation I suppose but the designing the inside of the pub or doing the garden or what what have you loved the most about it um I I think I've loved like there's a real kick you know the garden I I built in the original um the original end of the garden at the back of the pub I built all the retaining walls myself pretty much on my own each day slided out um, while I was pregnant with Angus. Oh, my goodness. Um, it was, uh, yeah, so it's, it gives you a real kick now when you stand out there and look around and it's still standing for one. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, just just this real, because it was, because, you know, we didn't, we designed it all ourselves. We didn't, um, we didn't use uh, professionals. Um and so, I mean, we had we kind of had to at the time because we were um, we were already all in, and we didn't have a huge amount of money to to spend on things like architectural drawings or anything like that. So we um, all landscapers. So we just slugged it out ourselves, and and I think you get you just get a real sense of fulfilment every day doing that sort of manual stuff and and being being in it every day we we changed the design a thousand times during the build and that was the greatest thing about having the builder that we have is that he yeah. just knows that that's what mum does <laughs> and so he's prepared for it he doesn't 
doesn't get stressed by it. And so, yeah, it just, just was this organic rolling thing of being in the space every day and then slowly figuring out over time what, how, and what and how it could work and, and just really taking the time to, to mull it over and, and yeah, just hang out in it. Yeah. So it would be right to say that just for people that don't know the Sir George, perhaps that, that you and your mum have done, you've, you've hand built it, rebuilt it, yeah. renovated it, done all the work yourselves. Yes, certainly the first build, part of the build and even like even the accommodation part of it, mum designed it all herself, the buildings, the garden, the interiors. Um, yeah, she designed it all and then we had the same builder came back and built the accommodation. Um, we did get landscapers in because by the time that was going, I was too busy managing the, the pub to be able to go and um, build a garden every day. <laughs> Um, and I think I was pregnant again at the time. Yes, or you so, had a <laughs> child on you or something. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, we did uh, have a bit more help with the second build. But, uh, yeah, it was um, – we, we certainly have just been hands-on the entire time. And I think that sort of is part of what's made it work is there's just this element of love and and um, of homemadeness to it. It doesn't have that – you know, it, all the rooms are quite small and intimate and so it doesn't have that sort of, I don't know, there's a lot of pubs you go to that, you know, there's pokies dinging in the background and TABs and it, it's um, it's not that homely, whereas this place kind of feels like a, a public house. Mm. Mm, yes, and it's such an achievement. It's such a wonderful um yeah, you can see that the hard work that's that's gone into it, and it's not sterile because it's been done by someone who's completely detached from the building now. And yeah, yeah, you can definitely feel it. You're right. Yeah. What's it been like working with your mum? Uh, it's been great, challenging, um, but only because we challenge each other. And you know, um, I think everyone knows what it's like with their parents. You have days where. You are you get cranky with each other, but I yeah. think the good thing about family is you can kind of get away with away with it, and you always forgive each other or you know get over it pretty quickly because that's that's the joy of family relationships. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we we do work really well together. We have completely opposite opinions most of the time, but we find a way to make it work. So is she the arty one? And you're the, you're the practical one? Yeah, I, w- I would say definitely. She's pretty practical herself as well. But I think, um, and, you know, there are elements that in through it that she did let me design, but she is um, a bit of a perfectionist and, a, mm. <laughs> and loves the, con- not, I mean, I don't want to make it sound uh, like she's a control freak because she's not, but she, like, loves to control the, space uh, as in design wise and she she has a real flair for um yeah just being able to figure out the story of the design like even in the shop upstairs she's always fiddling with her where her cushions are laid out and things and you're like these these are laid out together because they tell a story and that I'm like oh yeah Cool. I, I guess I can see what you're talking about, but I mean, I'm 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 definitely not the one that is um, creating that. But I can definitely see when when she's done it, what she's 
what she's come up with and how it works. Uh, oh, I love it. Do you reckon you've had time to um, reflect on it? Like, can you believe what you've created? You've completely revolutionised Jugiong and I think kind of pubs in the bush and definitely accommodation down the Hume Highway. Yeah, I think, you know, um, as it's as time's gone on, we sort of more and more are, are realising um, and, and that our bold choice to do it has now encouraged other people to try. You know, there's other pubs in small country towns that people have now bought and are, and are spending money on, which, you know, wasn't happening before this. Everyone, when we, when we bought this, everyone thought we were mad and this won't work. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's certainly um, people can now see that it, it has worked. And so we do, yeah, we've, we've, we've spent a bit of time in the last sort of six months reflecting on, on, um, on how, it's, how it's turned out. I'll talk more about that in a minute, but I can't let you go without asking you, like every time I go to the Sir George, I see you at the kitchen um, taking orders out to people and you've always got a baby on you in the baby bjorn and I just don't know how you do it. How, how have you? <laughs> got a very been? strong back. <laughs> oh, I bet. Oh, imagine at the end of the day how you feel. <laughs> how, what's been your approach to that? Like how do you manage it? It's crazy. Um, I think I just... <laughs> I just um, get get it done and don't dwell on the fact that the pain or or the suffering that my children are probably going through. Or, um, you just like every day here. There's so many people, and you just have to you have to do what you have to do to get get it all done. And the little kids have just been carted along for the ride. And I mean, they're, they're pretty social for for their age because they've been spoken at by hundreds of strangers since they were a week old so oh, how um, wonderful you know it's not going to be forever and no yeah no and, and I think there was there's just something about it like because it is our dream and we've put our blood sweat and tears into it it's um you, you're just in it every day you're so you're just so into it that I can't imagine not being here and like hearing about that you know they were under the pump and I wasn't there to help them so you're just always try to be there as much as you can because you know I suppose not everybody would have that approach that just be like oh, no I've got it I've got a young child I can't I can't be in the restaurant I have to I have to be at home so I, I just think that's such a respectful way to do things and no doubt your staff respected that too yeah yeah I think um it definitely it's been like it's kind of been like my first love and it's <laughs> This is like, uh, yeah, my, my poor family have probably been the second priority a lot of the time. But I think that approach has kind of just helped to bring them along and not be not be too worried that, um, oh, God, it's the routine. Of, I need to get my kid in bed. Um, just Whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, they just have sort of been the second priority. And the, yeah. I mean, there's just... Yeah, the, the pub has kind of been like an addiction in the end. It's um, it's it's really absorbed, and and I, I just I love it. And uh, so yeah, you just do what do whatever you have to do to make it work. So what are you going to do now? Because of course the pub has sold and things are, are moving on. Yeah, yeah. So um, uh, probably going back to my agricultural roots. I've um, yeah, got uh. 
heading back to work for uh, the uh, farm at Tarkata, where I used to manage a lamb feedlot, has now got a ram stud. So, um, yeah, my, going back to being a ram breeder. <laughs> Are you really? That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Are you looking forward to that? I am actually. I'm, 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 I will probably go through this. And I think the main reason that I'm diving straight into that next is um, I'm actually really scared that if I just was to go and be a stay-at-home mum that I would fall in a massive hole after this huge high of socialising every day and and the fun and, and um, excitement that is hanging out at the Sir George every day. Yeah, um, yeah there'll be a real lull in my life. So I just need to uh, get on with the next project and keep it rolling otherwise I might fall in a hole <laughs> and are you exhausted you must be exhausted too uh, there's an element of that I mean there's just such an adrenaline rush that comes from um I think owning your own business um always helps you find that um extra bit of energy that you might not I mean I know in the past where I've worked for other people that you just you always just manage to find that extra gear when when it's your own baby and it's yep. It's you and, and your reputation and your love on the line. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I haven't found myself to be exhausted even, yeah. It's, it's, just, it's just an adrenaline rush hanging out here. So, um, yeah, it's, and I think as well, you, even, even, even if you are a, a full-time mum, it's, I mean, I'm certainly more exhausted on my day, my one or two days of the week where I spend all day with my three kids. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, it's uh, yeah, I have the utmost respect for for full-time mums. It's, um, it's, yeah. it's a definitely challenging, especially with toddlers. There's, even, even when you have to eat humble pie at the pub and go and talk to a customer that's complaining about their steak not being cooked right, at least they're not shouting in my face <laughs> <laughs> uh yes too true yes you are kind of in the in the trenches uh, ha, has it been a consideration that you would take on another um Renault project hospitality project um maybe down the track one day I've I certainly yeah this is come to gunning come to <laughs> You're, it's the wrong side of Jugyong for, for, for fun there are plenty of locals in at the Tumblong Tavern that <laughs> yeah, nice. but uh, yeah, but no, I am actually uh, in the contract. I am restrained for three years, which um, I decided was probably a good thing for me, really, to um, uh, to just make me <laughs> make me stay out of the game and concentrate on spending a bit more time with my family. That was that was the main reason that we have sold is to um, yeah little kids growing up now when they're getting to the age where there's weekend sports and things mm. it's a pretty hard thing to to let go of this place if you still own it so yeah mm. that was the main reason for getting out was to to get get more time with the family how do you feel about selling it oh Handing it's definitely it bittersweet mm. it's um I think the new uh owners will do an amazing job they're a pretty exciting, uh, exciting group. Um, so, yeah, we feel really lucky that we've managed to find someone to buy it with such great credentials, um, and that it's um, will hopefully go on to 
have a long and happy existence even when we're gone um and yeah i mean it, it'll certainly be very sad and i don't know how i'll feel when i get to come back here as a customer yeah instead of as a um as as an owner but uh yeah um it's all the emotions it's <laughs> it's uh yeah oh well congratulations on such a successful chapter and i hope that you are able to dip back into this space one one day again in the future and i think it's just so bold too that i i didn't realize that why that that was the reason why you're selling it to be able to spend more time with family and that's that's wonderful that's great so yeah 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 it's it's been it's been an incredible incredible thing to be a part of i'm just yeah feel so blessed that um that this yeah this it it all turned out uh as successfully as it has and it's been just a joy to be a part of and i um yeah i probably one of the things like and all the emotions where you're like this is possibly the end of the pinnacle of my life oh, I know. it's oh, possibly not but uh <laughs> but uh no it has been it's it's just yeah I can't be grateful enough to my mum and and her partner Kim and and everyone here that has worked with us at the Sir George it's um it's been a hell of a ride and uh, a great group of people and um yeah I will I'll miss it a lot Oh, it's been such a treat to speak with you, Kate. Thanks for allowing me to do it and, and for your time. And um, I'll be watching on with interest to see what, what comes out next. <laughs> yeah. No, well, um, yeah. Thanks for speaking to me, Sky. And I'll be uh, looking forward to letting you in soon. So there we have it the girl from a farm in Kitanning who loved agriculture but also wanted to study architecture. Now she moved her life to New South Wales when she met her husband and ended up renovating and restoring an old pub to become a world-class destination. Well that's what I think anyway. I'm sure many of you will agree. I just think that to me this story is really fascinating if you think a bit deeper about the twists and turns of life which are driven by your desires and the things that you're interested in and the things that have influenced you. Kate wanted to study architecture, but she also loves working with sheep and they're not really similar. They're not at all. But by chance, she's actually been able to carve out her life story in that she satisfies both of those interests. And on top of that, the interesting thing is that these were both influences from her parents when she was a child. And I think if we take a moment to think about that, we all have interests that are driven by some sort of childhood influences. And I wonder how many of us do get to satisfy all our interests in such an impactful way. Thank you so much for being back with me. This season will run for eight episodes and will be arriving in your podcast app wherever you listen to your podcast each Thursday morning at about 6am. A reminder too that the newsletter is back on Sunday, Company on Sundays. You can sign up at my website mansonandcompany.com. There are lots of changes and lots of new things happening over this space over the course of this year. So sign up and make sure you are one of the first to hear all about it. <laughs>